you to the Fundraising Academy Cause Selling Education for underwriting these Friday Ask and Answered. And we, of course, want to say thank you to our presenting sponsors, which include Bloomerang, your part-time controller, Fundraising Academy, Nonprofit Nerd, American Nonprofit Academy, Staffing Boutique, the Nonprofit Thought Leader, and the Nonprofit Atlas. So thank you to these companies that continue keeping our airwaves going and growing, marching towards our 500th episode. And Julia Patrick, of course, is here. Julia is the CEO of the American Nonprofit Academy. I'm Jarrett Ransom, your nonprofit nerd, and the two of us are here to co-host and answer your questions. So we're excited. We're very excited. And before we get going, um, I would like our executive producer, Kevin Pace, to pop in. Hey, Kevin, you there? Dude. Uh, Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Okay, I've got a big question for you. Can we make a certain announcement that we weren't really supposed to make? Uh, let's do it. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, as my journey, we have to get a man to give us permission. Whew, that's a bad thing. So now you want to share it? Go ahead. You know, I'm really excited. And <clears throat> I got to say, this is not anything that I did. Um, I know, Jared, that you've been pushing for this, but this is really something that our executive producer, Kevin Pace, has put a lot of energy and to, and it blows my mind. He is taking all our technology of our, of our broadcasts and putting it into a, a podcast. Now, as you know, we've been talking about this. We have nearly 500 episodes. We're not going back and doing all 500 episodes, but we started in the last couple of weeks taking our daily shows and putting them into this technology. So wherever you are consuming your podcast, your streaming, you can find us now. You know how Jared, you, know, you always say, speak into your smart TV remote and we'll be on the sofa next to you practically. Yes. That's where we are now with podcasts. Oh yeah. We can go to the gym with you. We can go on vacation with you. We can go on your walk. We can, you know, when you're walking your dog, um, any of that. So wherever you stream your podcast, um, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all of the good things, uh, you will now see the nonprofit show there. So several of our top uh, episodes from the years have already made it to the channel. And then now Just like Julia talks about, you don't just make one meal when you can't reuse it and make another meal. So here we are, right? Repurposing uh, and repackaging our broadcast into a podcast for you as well. So check that out. And um, there's just more ways, more ways to tune in. It's really fun. And I do want to say, you know, thank you to Kevin. We give him a lot of crapola. Um, (laughs) on the show and off the show, but you know what? He cranked it up and figured this out and it's really, really exciting. So thank you um, to Kevin and, and all of his hard work uh, so that Jarrett and I really could even get more people involved. So really, I'm really impressed that he squeezed that in between his cycling and his Pilates classes. <laughs> and he was able to make this work. So good job. Great job. He's going to cut us off because <laughs> he controls that. I'm just saying. I know. But I'm- here we are. So let's move into our questions. Of course, Julia Patrick and Jarrett. Um, and I'm going to read this one aloud. So Janelle from Cincinnati. 
I am wanting to move up a level in my career. My question is this, should I advocate for a specific title, one that is not really being used in my organization or navigate more money? There is a part of me that says, if I have a stronger sounding title, it will be better for me in the long run. Wow. So now, you know what? I feel like this is a question that women ask and that men don't ask as much. And I feel, and I don't know what you think, Jarrett, but I'm kind of on my high horse today (laughs) of feminine love power. (laughs) But, you know, I think a lot of times in the workforce and in, in the nonprofit sector, we pass out job titles instead of money. And that we sometimes confuse a promotion um, with this. And so sometimes it's really easy to feel like we're moving up the ladder because we have a more important job title, but we do not advocate for ourselves for compensation as we should. So my concern would be that don't, you know, don't confuse these two things. And yeah, try and and figure out what would be, um, if you don't have an organization that can do this for you, try and figure out perhaps a revised job description with a title and things of that nature, but don't let compensation go on the wayside, by the wayside. I don't know, Jared, what do you think? You know, that's a great answer. So as I read this again, Janelle, you're wanting to move up a level in your career. So wherever you are, you're interested in moving to that next higher level. And you're asking if you should advocate for a specific title. And so my question there is, is there a reasonable next step that currently exists in your organization? So let's say you are a communications manager and you want to be the communications director, right? Does that exist? Um, And if so, I think that's your next best, you know, move. And then also looking at, you know, navigating more money. And I love what you said, Julia, do not separate these two, right? Like they really can be done um, cohesively. It could also be done separately, but I really think, you know, to your point, Julia, it's not either, or I think it can be both. What I have seen absolutely in the nonprofit sector predominantly is a title is very coveted and, and people really want to have X, Y, and Z title because it looks better on their resume on LinkedIn. They also think that, you know, for a career move, perhaps you leave the organization you're at, that will look better to another prospective organization. I cannot deny that that is probably accurate And I think that that is one reason why we covet our titles in the nonprofit sector um, so much. But I also know to be true that often the titles are very glorified, right? And so it's like, it's that and all other duties as assigned. There's a lot of all other duties as assigned. So often it's, it's kind of that glorified, but I am a huge advocate proponent for Um, you know, the compensation. So what I always recommend is you take a look at your current job description. Where are you meeting and exceeding in these responsibilities? And we're talking about quantifiable metrics, right? You really want to say, 
for instance, communications manager, perhaps you have increased the, um, you know, certain metrics through communications by X percent. So you want to be very specific. And then I would also, you know, take a look to see what the market is bearing in your community for that title and that position and responsibility. So a little bit of hodgepodge of, of, I think what needs to come in there, but I would absolutely advocate with facts And also I would share with your supervisor that you are interested in moving up in your career and ask them how you can best align yourself to be able to do that. I love that you said that because you are right. We need to um, share that, that drive, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, and we don't do that enough. You know, I think we wait for somebody and we say this phrase all the time, tap us on the shoulder. And we need to be tapping ourselves on the shoulder and the forehead, you know, and saying right here, I'm ready to go because not everybody is ready to go. Right. You know, there are a lot of folks that are like, Hey, I'm juggling too many other things on the outside, or this is where I want to be. This is the level I'm performing at where I can be or, you know, so yeah, Yeah. good job. I mean, I, I say we need more people like this. And it's really, really important to understand that. Um, so yay team. Yay I have team. to comment because one of our one of our viewers, and thank you for joining us today. I'm glad that you can, uh, mentioned that the nonprofit nerd is a great title. <laughs> uh, it suits, it suits you. And of course, you know, we identify with these titles. So really, you know, there's project manager. I will tell you, Janelle, I propose that kind of special projects manager when I was an employee at an organization that did not exist. And I was really becoming kind of that catch-all for special projects. Um, So that might be something, again, worth considering, but Mm -hmm. right. We really do tend to identify with our titles. We do. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. Okay. Let's go on to our next one. Now, you know how I get all excited, name withheld questions. Yes. And I got a man up on this or witness up. Um, You know, sometimes I take off the names because I think that we want to protect our viewers. And so, but this one came in um, with the request for name with help. I've been corrected by my CEO that I should not use the word sales when talking about our work in fundraising and development. The more I'm doing development, the more I think it is sales. Am I missing something? This is so interesting. Well, so let me jump in here, because if you look at our sponsor for today, our underwriter, right? Fundraising Academy, cause selling education. (laughs) It is right there in the title. So name without in Miami, I, I hear you. I see you. I know that this is controversy. Um, what I would encourage you to do is really focus on that relationship building, because that is actually what cause selling education is. And are there similarities? Absolutely. You are, I think it is, you are selling a mission. You are selling a cause. You are selling, um, you know, something to help a community problem, but you're really investing in relationships and you're investing in transformational change. And so how you use your language, the vernacular that you choose, um, I think should really draw down to that relationship and the investment. Maybe not the selling, if that is really what's, you know, 
throwing your supervisor or whomever off a bit. I've worked with so many CEOs that say, I hate fundraising. I don't want to fundraise. That's not what we're here to do. And I said, but I beg to to differ because you are fundraising, right? You are building relationships that are making significant transformational change in and around your community for your mission. So again, look at Fundraising Academy, cause selling education. I don't know, toss that out to your CEO and see what they see how they see the similarities. You know, it's so interesting. It's such it's such a tragedy that this concept even uh, comes up because you know we sell ourselves every day we get out of bed. You know, we sell ourselves to get good grades, to get more food, to get noticed. I mean, this is a process that we do. We have to sell our missions in our community so that we can get funding. To to your point, Jared. I mean, we say this number all the time, but one. 0.8 million nonprofits in the United States alone. Mm-hmm. And holy moly, if we don't, you know, if we don't sell ourselves, those donors are going to other places. So I don't know, man, name withheld. I feel like this is a Herculean task because <laughs> it sounds to me like your CEO is missing a big, a big part. And not, it's not just a word. It's yeah. not just a word. It's it's it seems to me like it's a bigger issue. I don't know. I would focus on that relationship. You're right. You're right. Wow. Okay. Well, let's go to our next question. We're looking at some training for our staff. This is particularly in the area of educating our team to be more service oriented with our clients. Okay, this is interesting. Do you think you can achieve this with an online presentation? Or should we hold out for in-person training? James from Detroit, Michigan. That's interesting, James. So um, I I like both. I think both have a purpose. They both have an impact. So um, if this is something that you are in great need of mm-hmm. and you're uncomfortable or unwilling to do in person, absolutely do an online training. Um, There's no reason why you should not wait, I think. Um, You know, and when I hear that your team is looking for training, particularly around service, you know, better service orientation for your clients, that to me speaks to your culture. And I think that maybe doing some cultural analysis would be a really great place to start to find out what is our culture, what are our core beliefs, what are our values in which we achieve our mission. Um, I work with an organization and they have seven core values and they are posted in everyone's office, in everyone, every single campus. And uh, respect, love, dignity are three of the seven, right? And so that is very grounded in who they are and how they serve their clients, right? So I again, I think this is more of a cultural analysis that needs to be done. What is the culture? And perhaps, James, you've hit the nail on the head. You might need to shift your culture. You know, Jared, do you see this being asked or that this is something that um, comes up? You know, you know, not so much because typically mm-hmm. in the nonprofit sector, our whole MO, our whole you know purpose is to be of service to other people. Mm-hmm. So I, 
I've seen it slip. I've seen it get, you know, pushed aside, of course, when there's high stress, when there's, you know, a lot of different things going on. Um, so again, I think, you know, it's, it's not typically the core behavior that, that is demonstrated, but it does come up because we are people, right? I mean, even as you started today's show, you were saying that you were feeling a little snarky because you're overwhelmed. This week has gone by so quickly and that happens. We're people, we're humans first and foremost. Yeah, it's true. It's really interesting. I, you know, um, James, let us know how that turns out because that's really, you know, a powerful thing. And, and it makes me also think that maybe you're seeing some issues that you, you don't like and, and how your team serves your, your community, your clients. Wow. It's really, it's a powerful question. Okay. This comes to us from Joshua from Park City, Utah. Could you discuss the issue of interviewing a development offer officer prospect and asking them about their current donor portfolio? I've been asking around about the normal standard and I'm getting some mixed messages. Hmm. Kind of interesting. I guess I'm not completely clear on this question, Joshua, in regard to um, what you want to ask about their current donor portfolio. How do you read this, Julia? I see like, I see this as a question of what donors are you going to bring to my organization mm. if I hire you? Yeah. That you, that you have in your current portfolio. That's interesting. Uh, and that's what I saw immediately. So I would say um, that is unethical. <laughs> And a huge no-no. So what I, what you can do, Joshua, by way of this is to talk to the uh, candidates during your interview. You can ask them um, perhaps the characteristics, the, the demographics of the current portfolio in which they're managing, how many individuals, what is their net worth, how have they been able to secure uh, gifts have they been able to increase the amount of gifts or the capacity of giving? I think those are the questions you want to ask. But if anyone asked me to bring my little black book of wealthy people, I would run to the hills because that is not how this works. <laughs> Good. You know, um, what I hear you saying is asking questions about how you manage workload, yes. prospecting, um, in some ways, like what is your system? If, is it like the cause selling system mm-hmm. or right? Is that what I'm hearing you say, Jerry? Yeah, like what is your style? How do you manage your donors? What moves management strategies have been successful for you? I think working with major gift donors, um, and again, a major gift could be any any amount based off of your organization, is very different than bringing in new donors at a lower level. So again, just understanding the characteristics of your portfolio. And I mean, if this is a development officer position, I'm assuming, Joshua, this is more of a higher level affluent group that you're really wanting to better understand how the candidates would work well to move gifts in the organization. Yeah, really interesting. Well, and that speaks to how you're going to manage what you've got and what you need to get. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting. I, um, I'm fascinated by that. Okay, let's go to our next question. And I believe this is actually to, to you, Jarrett. Rosemary and Anna from Houston, Texas ask, 
We are navigating towards more grant applications. Can Jarrett please tell us her formula for what we should expect when it comes to submissions to wins ratio? Mm -hmm. I feel like this question (laughs) comes in all the time because somehow, somewhere, we've heard you say this. And then we're like, oh my God, wait, what is that? And we have to go back and, and, and find it. So I've, we've choked you up, obviously, by asking this question. I know. So if I had a dollar for every time I was asked this question, I would donate it to you, Rosemary and Anna. Okay. 30%, 30%. So essentially that's the national standard of award rate, right? So if you're looking to bring in $100,000, you will want to prospect for $300,000. Now there's a lot of ways to increase that 30% for your organization. And here's the number one trick, build a relationship with the funder. Talk to the funder, build a relationship, make sure that whatever you're submitting is in alignment with whatever they're funding because philanthropic pillars do change over time. For instance, with COVID, right? So many people have said, you know, we support, I don't know. um, I don't know. Let's just say, you know, housing and, and shelter. Well, maybe they've diversified their funding and they still fund that, but they really are looking for, you know, emergency um, basic needs. Right. So, having those relationships will greatly increase the odds in your percentage of that national standard, 30%. So again, if I had a dollar, I'd give you 50 cents, Rosemary and Anna, you'd get the other 50. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to put you on the hot seat um, really quickly. I think it would be really nice, Jarrett, if you would come on and do an episode on the nonprofit show and just talk about, um, you know, your, your strategies for improving your communication and relationships with funders. Absolutely. I heard you talk about this. And I think that as we have these conversations, you do sprinkle in some things. Um, but I would love to, to get that because from this question, which we've seen a lot, it's at the core of it. When I read this question, Jared, I'm thinking they need help on the relationship side. Well, I think they need help on the process side. A lot of people think that um, all you do is you prospect a grant opportunity, you write the submission, the proposal, and you submit it. And that's all you do. But really, it's, it's relationships. And so, you know, I akin this to we have all applied for a job. So we've all submitted a resume. But when you can make an introduction to someone within within the hiring committee or job, it takes your resume from a cold call, right? Like one one of the many applications that have come in to someone who has been already um, discussed, already vouched for, already, you know, it it elevates that. And you want to do the same thing with your grants. So a lot of people are timid or intimidated by grantors. Do not be, right? We have had Rita Sorenin on with the Dave Thomas Foundation. We've had um, women on from the PetSmart Charities Foundation, from Red Rover. All of these people are very, very approachable, and they really want to talk to you. Right, right. Well, we're going to... We're going to get you on to talk about that because I think it's amazing. I really, really do. Wow. This week has gone by fast. 
Today's show has gone by fast. Again, I want to remind you, and I want to express our gratitude. Again, I'm Julia Patrick, CEO of the American Nonprofit Academy. I've been joined today by the nonprofit nerd herself, Jarrett Ransom, CEO of the Raven Group. Um, Always, always love to share this day with you. It's such a great way to really get um, some ideas, new ideas. And I think we learn a lot by the questions that come in. We also want to thank all of our presenting sponsors, from Bloomerang to your part-time controller, the American Nonprofit Academy, Nonprofit Nerd, Fundraising Academy, Staffing Boutique, Nonprofit Thought Leader, and the Nonprofit Atlas. All of these sponsors are with us to bring you the nonprofit show day in and day out. We're so excited. Wow, Jarrett, we have a really big week next week. I think I say that every Friday, but it's really true. It's been a lot of fun. And for those of you that might have missed the um, the earlier reveal, these episodes will now also be available to you in podcast form. So wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, um, radio. There's so many, I can't even name them all, but, um, check us out on a podcast as well. Yeah. It's really, really exciting. And, um, Hey, as we end every episode, we want to make sure that we remind you and ourselves to stay well so you can do well. Thank you so much, Jarrett. It's been a fabulous week. We'll see you back here on Monday.